started it there. Hi, I'm John Hastings. Hi, I'm Dylan Gott, and welcome to the Wrestler Review. This week, we will be reviewing Brett, the Hitman, part. Oh, what a man whose bio- autobiography really tarnished my th- fucking opinion man, on. What a man, what a... You what, the what a man, what a man, what a wife-cheating man. What I like about Bret Hart, um, and this is stereotypical, but I will say it, is that they say that black people weren't represented on television, uh, but a <laughs> uh, guy who could weed-smoking and get to pussy, uh, Bret Hart, it was your man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He's the blackest man to hold the world title until The Rock. I think. <laughs> 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 you look at his biography and he's like, drinking, maybe a bit of cognac, but mostly I... Ando, and then I ando the pussy. Yeah, you try to do. I can't. I saw him at comedy bar a couple of times. I can't go up to him because I'm like, I don't want to know this guy who looks like an ashtray. He just looks like he just looks like your old hippie uncle at this point, which I really like. Yeah, but he's just always asking people for weed, and then getting it because who wouldn't give Bret Hart weed? I know, but it's just so sad. I don't think it's sad. So, I don't think it's sad to be like. It's not boo hoo sad. It's more just like I don't need to see Superman in the fucking for or like Fortress of Solitude having a masturbatory wank to like. Oh my, oh my god! god. <laughs> I really wish they'd put my, the microphone for that fart. You could do anything you wanted to me. <laughs> Wait a minute. So I if, love I love Brad. All right, hang my on. Biggest regret from childhood is that I still don't have that fucking like I had like uh like a four foot Bret Hart poster where he had the title. Like that guy, that guy looked like he was the most. He brought a level of realism to wrestling. It's not even that for me with Bret Hart about his. It's the fact that he was a Canadian man on television. He was the f- like for me. It was like. For me, when I when I was a kid, yes, I understand that. Like me and John are both Canadians, so it was like we had this weird. In Canada, you have this weird like little brother syndrome with the states, so it's really vindicating to see like a like a Canadian guy. Like that's why George Saint Pierre was so popular. He was like, oh, this is the toughest guy. This is the toughest guy in the world, and he's Canadian. Yeah, this is great. But with Brett, when you watch his old matches, you're just like, it all stands up because it's a different style of wrestling. It's almost like for his. And this sounds weird, but for his style of wrestling, it's like it's kind of like watching wrestling now would be like an action movie, whereas Bret Hart was like kind of like a cowboy movie, where like five things would happen, but those five things were so fucking spectacular, and the way he even had this style of bumping that wasn't very clean, like. Everyone bumps now, and they bump like they're in a school. Like, they've gone to school. This is how you bump. Mm-hmm. This is a proper way to take a bump. You get back up. You take a clothes on. You bump. Whatever. Fish out of... Like, great. Yeah, because Bret Hart didn't go to wrestling school. Like Bret Hart went into his fucking basement next to the dryer. And a headlock, and then he could hit puberty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come down here so I can touch <laughs> you. Oh, that's a good Steve. Thank you. Yeah, Bret, you have any girlfriends for me to try out? <laughs> Yeah, this is my uh, uh, my uh, my uh, uh, wife uh, Helen, and uh, we we don't fuck with protection, which is why we have so many kids. Yes, yeah, I fuck like I own a farm, but I don't. <laughs> I need a new star. I better not in Helen. <laughs> okay, I'm tired I, of paying cooking Give me, give me, Helen, I'm gonna make yeah. Owen. Uh, you know, everyone thinks that it's weird that I have a beer in my basement called the dungeon, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he, did, 
He's like <laughs> basically uh, Stu Hart was Joseph Fritzl with a clam. <laughs> I was about to say yeah, essentially Joseph Fritzl just like dialed back a bit. Joseph Fritzl is death metal and Stu Hart is thrash metal. Like it's just slightly more mainstream. That yeah. Poor woman just getting run over with I'm sure that wide cock. <laughs> oh my god. It was probably like getting hit in the pussy by a plate. <laughs> but the thing is, like none of the Hart kids ever did steroids because they were all so fucking jacked just from wrestling their dad at the time they were a baby. Like. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't want to eat your broccoli, but you have two choices. You can eat your broccoli or pin me. <laughs> oh, that, that turned into Cartman. Yeah, I know it did. It depends. But the fucking Hart family, what a fucking... If you Google, like, Bret Hart is the only one that's aged well, and I'm counting his sisters. You... <laughs> What a beautiful family up until a point. Yeah, what a beautiful family in 1985, and then Yamaha. Yeah, yeah. well, like 95, 85, beautiful. 95, beautiful. 2005, oh dear God. I, 2015. 95, it's slipping because you're you're negating the Smith Hart factor, yeah. the dead eyes of the woman who married Jim the Anvil Nyhart. I can't remember her name. Like, imagine your husband's Jim the Anvil Nyhart, a guy that Jake the Snake Roberts was like, you can't party with that guy. He goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> my friend uh, Adrian did like color commentary for like some league wrestling league in like rural on in Canada and uh, Jim the Anvil Heidhart sat on 24 beers drank them all did the match and the only time you could tell he was drunk was when he did the promo after the match the uh, a f- oh, look, these beers are hitting me <laughs> <laughs> friend what, a guy, what about a, what a guy who just became Canadian a friend of a sitting <laughs> on a twofer yeah and then I'm gonna get pissed drunk and I'm gonna my bathroom is the twofer. And my <laughs> meal is the twofer. Here's why they call me the animal. <laughs> also, Jim the Anvil Ninehearts promos. I love them. Oh, just yelling the names of his opponents, then laughing maniacally. Best one, WrestleMania 7. They were a great tag team. Heart Foundation. Yeah. Do not interrupt this jag. I'm about to give you my fucking Jim the Anvil Nineheart impression, WrestleMania 7. Nobs! Sags! You say you're going to rock the foundation! You're going to say you're going to crack the foundation! Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Tell him, Brett! That's all he says. Well, that's because he had a lot of like good energy to Brett's promos. Because Brett was like... Brett talks uh, like a UFC fighter before who refuses to acknowledge his opponent is like bad yeah he's just like you know you may have hit my mom but i still respect you yokozuna yeah he talks about anyone who's he talks about like any ufc fighter who's facing chow sonnen like (laughs) chow sonnen's like guess what i'm gonna do i just fucked your dad (laughs) all right cool steroids are great though and then i uh i don't think that you're very respectful yeah (laughs) yeah man you don't worry about it. i'm gonna go out to espn and say the n-word all right see you later (laughs) i didn't say that that's I, I know we're getting sidetracked, but uh, who cares? Let's make Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen, <laughs> the greatest thing that man has ever done was when he said, I forget what he said, but it was pretty off color. Uh, it might have been something slightly racial, and then uh, the guy was like, then Chael Sonnen was like, yeah, I never said that, and the guy played him the clip, and he's like, well, that guy does a really good impersonation to me. Is that like, the- we also have a video clip? He's like. Well, I guess there's impersonators now because uh, that's not me. Is that the and o- everyone just got. Everyone just got past it because it was so funny. Is that the OTR where he just fucking lays into what's-his-face? For Landsberg, yeah. Yeah, oh, God, does he... I fucking love Michael Landsberg. God, he's gotten into some hilarious fights. But He's he, great. Um, all right, so and Bret Hart. Bret Hart, yeah, was one of the first guys to ever really, like, as far as you go shoot... He was one of the first guys to lay everything out bare. Like, 
on a very major basis. Like you had ECW guys obviously being like, we have nothing to lose, whatever. We're kind of like, you know, we're kind of like on an island here. But he was one of the first guys to just like you ask him about what happened with Vince, and he would and he did that off the record interview with Vince with a. Talking like, about the Montreal Screwjob and stuff. That he also, you know, didn't need to, you know, reveal that when he was in a match with British Bulldog at Wembley Stadium, they laid out this really intricate match. And then Bulldog just showed up, pilled up. No, Bulldog showed up after smoking crack with Jim the Anvil <laughs> Nyhart for a week and got in the ring and went, I'm fucked. I don't remember how this goes. And Bret Hart had to call the match like move for move. Yeah. And you can't tell. Like, I went back after I saw that shoot yeah. interview when he explains that. Oh, no, I read the book and he explains that. And you go back and you're like, where the fuck? Like, the thing with Bret Hart, what makes you more, like, the more you, opposite of Kevin Nash, which is an episode we did recently. The thing with Bret Hart is the more you learn about the shit he had to pull backstage, the more it's fucking impressive. For example, that, the whole Rowdy Piper, uh, WrestleMania 8, that's right when they were like, no more blading, no more blood. If you do it, it's a $10,000 fine. And uh, Roddy Piper and Brett were like, we're blading for sure. And um, Brett Hart reminds me. And you cannot find. He, he's like, I tell me when I fucking blade. See if he, and you cannot find it. Yeah. In that, like wrestling nerds on YouTube have gone through trying to find it, like slowing it up frame, frame by frame. You can't find when he does it. There's, it's fucking amazing. He's a master class in wrestling. Like he really is the. And I mean, he's the excellence of execution. He's the best there ever was, the best there ever. Uh, oh fuck, the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. He's the best, I think, best babyface of all time. Because absolutely, because at, in ring, best not babyface of all time. <laughs> oh, Fucking no. double. Who's a better, better babyface? No, I absolutely agree. I think he's an absolutely perfect white meat like. You've yeah. disrespected the art that is wrestling. <laughs> um, he is white meat. He's white. That's very good way to. Yeah. Behind the scenes, he's Trick Daddy, but on camera, he's goddamn John Wayne. Yeah, like, and Brett, what are you going to do going into this match? Going to play by the rules and be respectful towards this man and his family? Like, <laughs> <laughs> if uh, if someone interferes, I will ask them politely to leave. Um, I've said hello to the referee, and I'm calling him Mister Hebner because I have respect for him. Um, <laughs> I think that Bret Hart's also very interesting because he's also a study in sports psychology. Because as soon as the screw job happened. He became a much worse wrestler because I think he lost faith in the sport that he was participating in. And also, oh, I am peaking like a motherfucker. I think that he hang on before I, but he it, mails it, it in at WCW. He absolutely mails it in. They didn't know how to fucking use him. I think that yeah. he was heartbroken that Vince had done that to him because this is a guy that – so he could come to that company. His father sold his fucking livelihood – and went on supposedly getting a salary from Vince that he had to fucking that uh, Brett had to hold Vince McMahon up for. That still didn't make make him leave the company. It was only when, uh, you know, uh, Vince is effectively fucking this guy over um, by this guy. I mean, like the Montreal Screwjob. Let's discuss it. Do you think that Bret Hart, knowing what we know about wrestling, do you think he was in the right to demand to not lose the belt in Canada? No. Here's an interesting thing. I think he was based on how the angle was portrayed and also how fucking Canada felt about like I remember watching wrestling at the time and I was at the Raw the next night. It was fucking you wanted f like blood, man. Like it was fucking crazy. Like it was just something about it. Like cause it was the first time it was Canada versus the US. For the first time Canada were the cooler guys. They weren't the fucking Quebecers. They were the fucking Heart Foundation. They were fucking badass. He was going into it. He's like, it just let's not do it. Let's not he he was trying to protect the town and being old school. And 
it didn't work. He shouldn't have done it. Vince did the right thing, but I think Brett was in the right um, for saying, let's not do it. I'll even go deeper. I think Brett was in on the screw job. And uh, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this whole conspiracy theory, right? That Brett was in on the screw job and they did it as a way to uh, put heat on the WWF so they could drastically change direction and also kind of fuck with uh, Brett going into WCW because they thought he'd be more damaged on it. I don't think they thought that that many people would be that upset. Like Sean Waltman has like gone on record to be like, I'm pretty sure they uh, definitely fucking did it. And also, why the fuck would you leave the camera on Brett while he's writing WCW in the air? In front of the fucking live crowd. You know, it's just weird shit like that. I think they were trying. I, I mean, I, I have no idea. I, I don't want to get into. Fucking get into it. Chemtrails. I just think they wanted anything. They wanted anything to happen to draw attention to WWF. And they knew Brett would be off for a bit before he, like, joined WCW. As for them getting. Brett, mm. and then will he go with the NWO? Will he go with WCW? I think the initial angle is good. I just think that Brett should have come in. Uh, I don't understand why they ever teased him being in the NWO. It's just like you right now. You have it was so stupid. He should have. You should. You have like the last. I think the whole thing should have been like Brett was like I'm with WCW and then Sting getting Sting to trust him and then you play that up and then they trust each other and then you have babyface babyface and you move into an angle that's something like Brett being like yeah you do a submission match battle of the fucking sharpshooter sharp versus- and then the NWO is gone battle of sharpshooters Thank you very much. Something like that. Oh my I god! Understand. I don't want to do. I don't want to do fantasy booking. We're not doing fantasy booking. We're but literally I mean, like, pointing out what the problem was. And Vince again. But I also Brett's think. I also think that. Brett, tell me, fucking tell me. Stop pointing and fucking talk, bitch. <laughs> but I think that Brett, because Brett talks about how he never wanted to turn heel, but I think he was kind of resisting where wrestling was going at that point. Uh, and I, I think WCW was a good move for him if WCW did what. They what would have been the other option, which is if if WWF is going Jerry Springer, they're going like uh, this man beats up prostitutes and he's a good guy. Then you go straight, yeah, fucking Southern style, and Bret Hart can uh, and Bret Hart fits in very well with like uh, I'm gonna beat you because I don't cheat ever. Well, they did that and they teased it and very then they, good, they fucked up. It was very good, Bret Hart. They kind of fucked up the Ric Flair. Bret Hart match, which would have been should have been fucking amazing. I don't. I think also Ric Flair doesn't like Bret Hart. He's no. He did. A, he did that book where he's like Bret Hart's not a true champion. Yeah, he's like never. My favorite thing about Ric Flair, and when we do the Ric Flair episode, we won't talk about wrestling. It will just be like, wow, Ric Flair needs to never drink ever or be. <laughs> It'll just be Coke stories about Ric. Oh, he doesn't do Coke, which is even scarier. Wow. Yeah, he says he doesn't do Coke, and you know what? He says he doesn't. Do I believe him. I believe him. That guy is. The guy literally is like, what did you do in the 80s? Cheated on my wife. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that Ring of Honor show I saw with, with Ric Flair, where he was like, Toronto girls. <laughs> that was a good time. Like, that was his, that was his, he just comes in fucking drunk, and he's like, there ain't any girls here. Oh, man. And then he like looked for a girl, and he was like, baby. Woo! <laughs> and then he left. <laughs> I have a, a f- uh, we have a mutual friend who's in the wrestling business, and he says he's done conventions with Ric Flair, and they'll just be like a girl who works for the event hall, just like putting waters on a table, and Rick's like, yeah, you know, you got to get your finances in order. I'm 
coming out the other side of this divorce. I'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Pardon me. There's a woman who could be my great granddaughter who I have to butt stare and lick. (laughs) Is that the name of your new autobiography? Butt stare and lick. Yeah, butt stare till lick time. Butt stare and lick. My favorite country and western trio. Chris Butts, uh, Jim Lick, and of course Sheriff Bill Starr. I mean, uh, stare fuck. Um, stare fuck for Bret Hart. But again, Bret Hart also came into WCW literally like he came in at Starrcade 1997, also known as the beginning of the end. Like that is the the mar- like the fucking mark. That is the uh, BC AD WCW, which is. Yeah. They should have had Sting win cleanly. Instead, Bret Hart comes out after being the special guest referee in the Larry Zbysko-Eric Bischoff match. Okay. And um, then comes out. His microphone doesn't work, so you can't hear him say, this ain't going to happen again. The problem was that they were WCW fans, and it was at a point where WCW people weren't really watching Raw, so they didn't really know what had happened with the Montreal screw job. So they didn't react to being like, what the fuck? There is no screw job. And also Nick Patrick fucked up and it wasn't a fast count, it was a slow count. Yeah, that was that was that's a big that's a big weird thing that happened that I have no idea. Like why didn't he is there a theory it's, that he was just paid off or something? No, the th- the thing basically was is the ending changed about eleven times. Oh. And they finally were just like, we'll do this. This is the most complicated way to do it, as opposed to what they should have done. Sting wins. NWO leaves in fucking shambles. You can't control us anymore. We have the world championship. And fucking take a break and get them off. You still would keep Hall and Nash because they have the tag title, so they're still obligated to appear. You can keep them, and then all those other guys then have to earn their way back into the WCW in one way or another, opening up a shit ton of storylines. Hogan's away. Hogan's getting paid either way, teasing when he eventually comes back, and then he comes back doing all the stuff we talked about with Brett. Here's the amazing thing about Brett. What a fucking wrestler who makes you forget he's doing the same 12 moves. (laughs) Well, the thing that's the thing that works about him though, because when he was babyface, he didn't need to do more than twelve. He moves. absolutely didn't and need to do twelve mar- moves, has? and you don't notice it until someone points out. You know, he's just doing the same twelve yeah. things in a different order, and you're like, "Holy fuck!" But he does there it. he goes off that second rope again. He does it well though, and the thing about Brett is that every single thing about him is makes your dick hard. Everyone knows that. It's what? a character trait. Like it's like the way he walks is different from when the way other wrestlers walk. The way he gets in the ring is he kind of like sits on the ropes uh, before he gets in. Um, he's very like a family man. You always know he's the family and he very much balanced. Like he's the only guy who you can say like his whole f- in his whole family's always behind him. Like he's very much like a, this guy is a born and bred wrestler. Uh, I love how he switched his tights up from time to time. Like certainly it, did. Yeah, like and like, also wore weird layered tights where he'd have the fucking swimsuit lady cut and then tights underneath it because he was layered because he had a fucking big dick, big just juice, dinky. He had a fucking stump on him like his dad. Everything is serious. Uh, yeah. Like he doesn't work now. Like it's the problem. It's not the problem with wrestling now, but it's like one of those things where. I feel like it's a lot of pr- like wrestling uh, now was built off of two generational talents who could go out there and make a ten minute segment out of absolutely nothing, like an Austin and The Rock, mm-hmm. like just truly gifted guys on the mic. Uh, and I think you need to switch back to like a guy like Bret Hart, where it's like here's a minute long promo. He's good, 
He's not great. Like, he can't get out there and do, like, five... Can you imagine Bret Hart doing scripted five-minute... Oh. It'd be, like, fucking awful. I don't need to imagine. I remember the run-up to the Bret-Vince McMahon match at WrestleMania abortion. Whatever. Was that 26? Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, remember yeah. when they brought him back as a wrestler? Except here's the one problem. You can't touch him. You legit can't touch Bret Hart. Yeah. Like, you can't, like... That was the thing where Shawn Michaels comes out, and it's like, you know... Brett is in the right in that first thing, but you're like, if Shawn Michaels super kicks him, this guy's just gonna die. So it's like they have to do a handshake. Like, they, they can't do anything else. Yeah, you know that, oh God, it was just, when they brought, I actually didn't like that they brought him back because part of me is like, your brother died in that ring because of negligence of someone at this company. Like, it is a fucking bit weird, you know what I mean? It is weird, but it's it's just what it is at the point. Like, I, I know, I, I, and I absolutely see your point, and I would see his point, too, of like, well, here's why I went back, and you're like, I get it. It's 11 years, too. Or what was it, 11? Was it 12? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, 12 years. It, would, it was yeah. 2010 when he came back. Yeah. I remember watching that being like, I cannot believe this is happening. I, that was one of the, like, that and the Brock Lesnar return where I was like, did not fucking think I'd see this coming. That's crazy. Yeah. And both time, both things led to very disappointing WrestleManias. Boom. Burned. So, <laughs> but as, like, as you move forward, like, you have the Hart Foundation where he plays a heel, but Anvil's kind of carry Anvil's carrying the character, uh, Brett's carrying the in-ring, and then you move forward in, like, the 90s when Bret Hart really is their, like... I'd even go for... Uh, crystal clean... But he was good. The thing with Bret Hart was Bret Hart was amazing in the 80s. Bret Hart was used on house shows to test out other talent. There's a famous story of they were trying to yeah. get get you know the, I can't remember the wrestler's name, but they found this CFL player that was like jacked, fucking like gorgeous, handsome, like yeah, they, California. They're trying to make him his new ho- the new the Hogan. new Hogan, and they put him in the ring the first time with Bret, and they're like, this guy fucking rules this is amazing yeah and then the next like three nights later they put him in the ring with someone else and they're like oh no (laughs) (laughs) what happened to his everything um brett's just a very good example of a guy who's 100 percent in the ring and 75 percent uh you're being generous 75 i would say he's a 65 percenter he's a he's a solid c promo but it's it's a great example. His only good promos are during the Canadian Heart Foundation run. Anything else is really fucking tepid. But it's it's a max a minute long. You're going out to fight this guy. The Davy the promo before the Davy Boy match is great because he's basically I don't like, remember that promo, Dylan. Educate me. Well, he basically he basically comes out and he's just like and Davy Boy's Davy Boy's super baby face and Brett is baby face too, but he just puts it at one point he just puts his shades up and he's like listen it's a fight out there and i don't care what happens i don't care if my sister's angry i don't care if you're angry i'm the intercontinental champion i take this very seriously i can't like in he it's not this heelish but he basically says i can't wait to disappoint you if we're going out last and i can't wait to hold that title up in front of your hometown fans. I don't care. Like, he was great when it was like, whenever he was booked in it, whenever he was booked in a face-face match, which happens a couple times. The him and Roddy Piper. He plays like this great subtle heel. Like, Oh, the, the Roddy Piper, well, I was actually going to say, I think his best pro was him and Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8. Very undersung, amazing pay-per-view, except for the last match. Um, 
which is Roddy Piper's talking about how he knows his dad and he knows his family's being like playful and he's like and Roddy Piper does this actually fucking hilarious like sort of dig like you know, I'm going over to your house and your mom's making, like he's fucking pretending to be Bill Cosby basically, you know, pre-rape. And um, he's like, and your mom's making sandwiches. She's putting the bologna on the bread. It's like, oh, just one piece of bologna, but that's all right. I was hungry. Be like, your family's poor, you asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Brett cuts him off and is just like, uh, this isn't about that. Like, I'm here for that belt. And then like kind of grabs Roddy and then Roddy just takes a giant roll of duct tape out and he's like, you want to go in? Like, and there's like tension. You're like, oh fuck, these guys are going to fucking yeah. kill each other. Well, it's like and the- you can actually see a lot of Rowdy Piper's in-ring style in Brett. They were very good friends yeah. and Rowdy Piper was very much an advisor to Brett in terms of how they, not how they win a match, but how they lose and how they, they have a vulnerability to them that very few other wrestlers can do. And I think that that's one of the most compelling things about Bret Hart is that he always seemed like he was in a little bit of jeopardy in a way that other wrestlers didn't. It was also, he wasn't particularly muscular the way he, like he would be just fucking hurt. He had this body that limped very well and looked kind of just fucking un, like not unhealthy, but like, he, you know, he had, he had a, what you would phrase now as has to be a power wrestler. But then because everyone's like, fucking steroid cut up cokehead times yeah yeah yeah. that he has this body that's like he's just regular big and everyone else is like bodybuilders so it's like it's easy for him to play like the speed guy he's the technician that type of thing but yeah he can seem like he's like the the i forget what match it is but the table spot against diesel when he falls through the table it's like your mind is blown brett's there he's like dead dead and like i said before Everything he did wasn't clean. Like it was that was the brilliance of Brett, where it was like he he was just he he made things seem realistic, even if you knew he was fighting a dentist. Um, I completely dentist is angry, but this serious man is like is like treating him like a serious talent. Like, um, what's even more amazing, one of the most like fucking gripping moments in wrestling and I don't know why they use it use it more is when Brett wins that match like it was just a roll up out of a powerbomb reversal Mm -hmm. and Diesel gets up so Diesel's lost and is fucking fuming and attacking the referee or one of the referees because there was a shit ton of referees after that table spot and the other referee can't get Brett up so he raises Brett's arm from the the fucking canvas and lays the belt on him and it's like Holy fuck! Like he, like yeah, he, he always sells that he one, gives everything. Yeah, his one opportunity, and he, he he snatched it, and now he's like, you're just like, holy shit! And then fucking Diesel beats the piss out of him. Oh my god, how the fuck didn't they build to something more strong for that? Because Kevin Nash is going to WCW. That's how John. All right, I'll answer my own question. But that's okay. The, but that's the great thing about Brett is that the the amount of times in the '90s where he lost matches or won matches off roll ups. Oh fantastic. my god. That's why they called him the Rolo. <laughs> but like there's always there was more than one way a match could end with Brett. Like you get the guy in the sharpshooter it's over, but the he way didn't he actually win with the sharpshooter that often when it was not on superstars. Like that was always it was it was an interesting thing as it was a finishing move and it looked fucking good when it wasn't like how the rock does it where he like couldn't get the legs right. Like it looked fucking snug and brutal. Yeah. But very rarely won with that. But he beat enough people. Like, anytime a guy was leaving the company, he put the sharpshooter on him, and then the, it's over. Like, yeah. he beats Mr. Perfect that way. He beats Rick. That's how he wins his first title. Um, the, obviously, the Austin thing. And and Brett as Oh, a heel, my God. That Brett fucking match. In, that match is amazing. Brett as a heel, like, he... I think... they. 
It sounds weird because I remember reading that Brett didn't like turning heel, but they booked him so much stronger, and it was a great character change because it was kind of like Brett was always the guy who was like fighting from behind, and then he really portrays this thing where it's like, fuck it, I've snapped. I hate this. You know, you guys are all fucking, you know, you guys are all fucking ruining wrestling. And then he's like, if you guys are going to ruin wrestling, I'm just going to start cheating. And then he's such a stronger character. Like, in the matches, he's so much more dominant because he's just finally like, listen, I know how to do this. I'm going to, like, beat the shit out of people. There's one of the and the figure four around the ring post is one of the greatest, like... Oh, just fuck. It like, looks so there's no awful, way that that but can, it probably it didn't hurt. Yeah, it... The, I don't know. Just go back to you being amazing at cheating. The end of the 97 SummerSlam, the main event, is Shawn Michaels is the special guest referee. If he interferes and costs Brett the match, he will. Uh, I think he's either fired from. He's, there's stipulation which basically points to Shawn Michaels will not touch Brett Hart in the match. Yeah. Um, Brett's using that and fucking shoving him and fucking him over and just like, come on, doing it, trying to goad him into doing it. Finally, Shawn snaps, grabs a chair, goes to hit Brett. He. Brett ducks and he hits the Undertaker. Brett pins the Undertaker and Sean then has to count for Bret Hart so he doesn't have that happen. And that was an amazing spot. What's even better is the defense on the next night on Raw. They put Vince, uh, uh, he put Brett on commentary with Jim Ross, Vince McMahon, and Jerry the King Lawler. And they just keep alluding to what happened at SummerSlam. They don't say it because they have the, the Tuesday night re- repeat of the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. They just keep saying... Yeah, you're the champion, but how did you win that championship? And Brett just keep going, I pinned him in the ring, one, two, three. You can ask Shawn Michaels. He did the pin. And they went, well, what happened right before that? And he went, I'm not really sure. It gets pretty ha- – like, never saying what it is, down the barrel, here's what ha- – and it's enraging because this guy's clearly the heel, but he's he's stating the truth as he saw it and being such a dick about it and you can't really call him out on it obviously they were doing a, a very clever marketing trick because i ended up buying the tuesday night repeat of the pay-per-view <laughs> just to see just to see because again it was pre-internet you didn't there wouldn't you wouldn't be able to check like as it was happening results you had to literally like either wait for the fucking coliseum video release <laughs> or the stills they'd show at the beginning of raw like yeah. it was just it was just amazing and i think that brett sadly going to wcw in the Hindsight being 2020 wasn't a good place for him. They didn't use him properly. He was booked as this weird, like, selfish bully, friends with Hogan, which is bullshit. You could tell even in, like, when they had their face run briefly in the WWF, they just didn't like each other. And as personalities, those two guys wouldn't get along. Also, can we talk about WrestleMania 9? Literally the stupidest ending to a pay-per-view. Top five stupidest, I would probably say. Yeah, I mean, and burying Brett, but the thing is, Brett was... They didn't bury Brett. They, they did. No, no, they did It was worse. They didn't even give him a grave. They just shot him in the face and then left him to decompose by the side of the road. <laughs> Burying would be like, he lost via disqualification, as opposed to, he goes out there and wrestles the fattest man for 15 minutes, gets beaten, and then Hulk Hogan walks out in street clothes... That's the thing about Hulk Hogan that I love is that they implied his street clothes were just red tights, a red shirt, and a bandana with a weightlifting belt and cowboy boots. <laughs> He's just hanging out. Yeah. I'm done wrestling. Just this, hanging out at the bar. This is what I wear now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Hulk Hogan just walks out. Salt gets thrown in Yokozuna's eyes, and he get, puts a leg drop on him and wins. Mm. And as Brett's walking back, so the pay-per-view has gone dark, and it, Brett's walking back. Vince McMahon runs out crying 
and hugged Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Because he was like, we're back. Fucking yeah. we're back, baby. Steroids be damned. FBI can kiss my dick. Yeah. I've got a bald man in his 40s who just fucking touched a man with his leg. I'm yeah. going to be a fucking billionaire. That's... But that's the kind of the plight of Bret Hart is that he's always kind of being fucked over before he's finally pretty much fucked over. Yeah, he never really... Well, what are you talking about? He finally got to beat Vince in that great match where his entire family took bumps except for him because he had a stroke. <laughs> yeah. But the... Now let's... they do the Yoko and even the way he wins at WrestleMania 10 is like he loses to Owen. Yoko falls off the ring. I and then he just fucking love him. that he lost to Owen. I thought that gave like a really cool underdog quality to it. I really liked I really liked how he like and it's kind of the way the what the thing uh, I mentioned in an earlier episode where you can job to people and it doesn't hurt you because it's clearly a fluke like Owen. It was clearly the whole a few, match yeah. and then and then Owen goes nuts. And Brett's just sitting there like, how the fuck did I lose to this guy? Yeah. Like, I'm not hurt. I'm not anything. He just fucking... Out- I He got really- out hearted Like, he got, like... Because he would win matches by just, like... In big matches, he would win with, like, small packages. Or, like, when you thought he was, he was fucking done. He added... And people forget this is a time... If you're listening to this and you're, like, 20 or uh, under, then you're... There was a time when you would do a finishing move and then the person was dead. Yeah. Like, there wasn't like, sharpshooter was broken, sharpshooter was broken. Oh, this third time, that means he's going to... There wasn't like, oh, Brock Lesnar took 18 attitude adjustments and he kicked out at one. You know, there was like, oh, the attitude adjustment hit. Oh my God, he kicked out. I'm calling everyone I know because this never happens. But it was what they would do, which is much smarter, is they'd reverse on the setup of a of a move, yeah. which a way more interesting to watch, b leads to way more possibilities as opposed to well now he just doesn't have a finishing move because he doesn't do that finishing move anymore because it obviously doesn't work because this guy was able to kick out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you do. <laughs> Owen Hart, Bret Hart angle, absolute amazing way to book a brother versus brother. Everyone is basically ripped off the angle of that, and also a very interesting match because it doesn't it doesn't have a clean conclusion. They never they only got back together once Bret and Owen really reconciled at WrestleMania 13, and they sort of had this bubbling hatred towards each other that would occasionally yeah. kick off. Owen would just occasionally interfere in Bret's matches from time to time. They had that amazing steel cage match at that terrible SummerSlam when the Undertaker faced the Undertaker and Leslie. Nielsen was trying to track him down. <laughs> um, fuck wrestling. They talk about wrestling being bad now. Mid nineties wrestling was fucking so stupid. Listen though, John, the difference between wrestling now versus wrestling then is essentially wrestling then was a garbage man versus a clown, <laughs> but the garbage man would almost always barely avoid getting. The like he would almost always be have caught the evil clown, and then you would plop down forty dollars, and the garbage man would beat the clown. So it all made sense, but the characters were stupid. Versus now, where it's like it's Steve versus Dave. Dave is good now. Nope, Dave is bad. Nope, Steve's now Dave. Dave is Steve. They are one. They are two people duct taped together. No one can pin anyone because they're duct taped at the back. Look at them roll around. Like it's just yeah, shit. I know. We're, we're like it's convoluted bullshit. Yeah, I watched. But, I watched Raw this week, and the Ding Dongs are debuting in two weeks. <laughs> the Ding Dongs again. Yeah, we're back. It was a bad idea then, but we can do it right. But the perfect thing about the fucking Brett Owen thing is a they were actually related. 
B, they were the archetypal big and big and little brother where Brett looked like this like reliable good dude and Owen just looked like this sniveling brat. He was a great at playing the sniveling oh, brat. Oh god, was and he ever. Brett was always was great at playing like Owen, don't make me do this. Yeah. And then he's finally like, okay, and then you can always think like Brett's holding something back. Like, I you always sort thought of that I was like, well Brett I was like, just hit like it's just that's like, what's amazing. It's like about the that Undertaker Kane feud, where you're like, just fucking hit him, Undertaker. Like, but that's a guy. That was what's amazing about that steel cage match is that it's not it's not a technical match. It's literally two brothers beating the shit out of each other in a steel cage. Then Brett kind of wins on a fluke win. Jim the Anvil Neidhart fucking bashes him over the head with a chain, and then him and Owen kick the fuck out of him in the steel cage, and it takes like. Davy Boy Smith and all the Hart family scaling the cage to fucking rescue him. Yeah, I, it was so awesome, and that was the blow off, blow off to the feud. So, Brett's the champion; he's moving on to another opponent. But Owen is now a super strong heel, and anyone he goes after will be susceptible to that same sniveling behavior. Obviously, they sort of dropped the ball on it, but then brought it back when Owen made that amazing tag team with Yokozuna, which also sort of hints nice subtext because it's saying like, "Oh, actually, I'm um, I'm siding with someone who really fucked over my brother, over my brother." Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm siding with my brother's greatest enemy. Yeah. So. Let me say this about Bret Hart. But and then you look any at- of the ladies he cheated on his wife with are really lucky to have had what I assume <laughs> was Greg come limply walk out of his dick because he was tired and covered in ice packs. I'm sure that Bret Hart had the most technical sex. Do you think he came off the second rope with a nice fucking penis dive? I think it was max five minutes, but they both came multiple times. By both, you mean both his dick and balls? <laughs> I think he. I think he's the, from Calgary. Think in Calgary, came. in Alberta, Canada, women don't come. They oh, just yeah, yeah, get yeah. back to work. <laughs> get in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, By the way, if you've never been to Alberta, it's a lovely place that seems like it's 1995. <laughs> Why is that guy listening to Limp Biscuit? Because that's still a really popular band, is it? Yeah. You know, Disturbed. Yeah, they're the mayors. <laughs> they're the mayors of this town. Wow. Oh, oh, cowboys are. It's illegal to be gay. Um, no, I just uh, want to point out, Brett, Dylan has been doing most of this podcast just belly out, rubbing it. He's got a tummy like a jelly boy. Brett becomes kind of an also-ran around, like, as soon as the Attitude Era starts, he's kind of like... Okay, I, what are you fucking talking no, about? He was the I'm, first I'm, heel of the Attitude Era, you dumb fuck. Like, it's good that Brett left for WCW. It just thinks the WCW kind of was what it was because if he would have stayed, he would have been like the right to censor. Yeah, no, it was. he needed to not like, be there. Been like him and Stevie Richards and them being like, well, actually, Stevie's a better promo. Um, uh, well, you say that. They could have done a thing where he, he went with Vince and he was the corporate champion, but it, it wouldn't have worked. He would have, you know. Actually, that would have been really good. You forget how thin they were after in like '98 when they were like, I mean, I love him to death, obviously, but when they were like, who's the who do we have for him to feud with? Well, Mick Foley is in tie dye. How about the big boss man? Like, well, I love the boss thank, man, but well, that being said, when they finally went with Mick Foley and Steve Austin, I think no one thought that was gonna work. That fucking made fucking Stone Cold's. Um, title run and it's the big point that you better have some fucking opponents lined up for the champ yeah afterwards so he faces the rock twice beats the rock uh or no he uh what am i talking about he does beats Shawn michaels 
and then follows it up with Mick Foley. And fucking out of nowhere, Mick Foley makes it so fucking personable by saying, Cactus Jack, who everyone wanted to see, is never coming back because you people were chanting for Steve Austin. Comes out the next week, saves Vince McMahon as Dude Love, this really shitty character. And then he gets like a haircut and he's like corporate dude love with like new trunks and stuff like that. Yeah. And just so smart, but then gets in the ring and it's just two guys literally beating the fuck out of each other. (laughs) But this isn't a Mick Foley or Steve Austin podcast. This is a Bret Hart podcast. And remember, while that amazing booking was happening in the WWF, uh, Bret Hart was facing Ric Flair in a 15-minute match that was so bad. Like, how the fuck that match had sold. That sold out pay-per-view, by the way. How that's not brought up as one of the worst pay-per-views ever. There's no main event. It basically is an episode of Thunder with a new set. (laughs) The most interesting thing that happens is Dusty Rhodes, for some reason, turns heel and it's not explained. And um, oh yeah, turning dusty. And then Ho- um, Hogan comes out and just whips Ric Flair with a belt. Yeah, he used to whip everyone with that belt. Or it's his son. It's fucked. Good on wrestlers for fucking taking that fucking weightlifting belt. I would be like, it was given, man, like a bill that you pay at the beginning of a Steve Austin podcast. <laughs> so in summation, we love Bret Hart. And his wife was wrong about his cheating. He never cheated. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, I just want to say a couple other things stand out from Bret Hart's career. Um, th- him getting Bob Backlund over. Oh my God! How the fuck did we not talk how about that sti- terrifying moment? How like? I think Vince. The m- main thing that marks the mid nineties for well, me is Vince not having his. He doesn't have Hogan, and he wants that like six five. He wants to rock. He wants Hogan. And the reason why he had to go with Austin was basically because, like, fuck, I'm going to go out of business. Like, any other time, I don't think Austin gets over that much because I don't think they give him that much. Um, not but only, no, no, no. I'm going to – to further your point, not only would they not go with Austin, Austin would have been the fucking ringmaster. I think that because yeah. Vince was so distracted, they just were like, oh, yeah, you change gimmicks. It's no big deal. Fine. It's cool. Be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, he gets to a certain point, And it's also – if Triple H hadn't fucked up and done the curtain call – there is no Austin 316. Yeah, it's just Triple H. Yeah. yeah. How awful would that be? Triple H, they went, because Triple H was next in line for the championship. He was the big run. At that point, holy fuck, how horrible that would have been. He would have been, a, okay, he would have been the corporate champion. You're wrong. It would have been so bad. Yeah, but that's what. You're forgetting pre Royd's Triple H. You're forgetting that time when he got an abdominal injury and then came back and he was twice the size of a car. <laughs> No, that was, that was the other big side. You could tell someone was about to be the world champion. They suddenly got really fucking huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Triple H came back. Yeah, when he was the game Triple H, when he started, when he had the second DX band theme song. Yeah, yeah. No. He came back. And What's your... Like, oh, it's your... But I'm just saying, like... It's your... What? What? fucking Bret Hart did for Bob Backlund a guy who base like he looked like a fucking road agent he looked so not he didn't look like a road agent he, he looked like the road agent's friend who's hanging out in Syracuse <laughs> who's that oh uh, he's a stats man for the mud hogs and it's the Syracuse baseball team Bob I remember Backlund's that. fucking uh, how good his fucking intro angle is but just being like I never tapped out to the fucking camel clutch I'm still the champion Arnold Skoland fucked me over. And then he beats up this nice old man. Brett tries to break it up. Gets chicken winged. Brett never taps out. 
Owen steals the towel and throws it in. Oh yes, please. Like all amazing shit. Um, He was a company man more than anybody. Like he was willing to. That sounds a company man. I don't. I don't like the way that sounds. But he was the kind of guy. He's like he had like the attitude I see a lot in like indie wrestling, where it's like, yeah, sure, I'll job. Like who gives a fuck, you know? Don't do this. (laughs) This is. That is worse than farting in the microphone. What? Playing that Playing song? Playing that fucking theme song. I don't even hate the theme song. <laughs> I, I I do. <laughs> it's I, just like, think, I just think what it comes down to is Brett is like a... He's a team player. He's always fucked over because he's not like... I am really sorry for Three inches taller. He's three inches taller. Than Bob Backlund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and what was... Okay. No, I mean like he's three inches... If he's six foot five, he's... They're like, okay, cool. Yeah, you're the best wrestler in the world. Um, the one thing about the Bob Backlund feud that I, I think it was an amazing setup. I think it was one of the most terrifying beginnings of it. I think the fact that he said I never like that whole thing was great. The Owen throwing the towel in. Yeah. Um, I think by, (sighs) I'm not trying to fantasy book. I'm just saying by the time they got the fucking next match, which because of the way pay-per-views were structured to being WrestleMania 11, I couldn't give a fuck anymore. Why they didn't do that match at the Royal Rumble, the rematch between Backlund and Bret Hart, I'll never know because by the time they got to that submission match at WrestleMania 11, it just there wasn't the same fucking pizzazz and wow. It just didn't have the same intensity. And I legitimately remember being disappointed. Like, well, who gave a same, fuck? Well, yeah, it didn't have the same thing because it was like you completely cut the legs out of it because Backlund has this long feud with Bret and then Owen betrays him. I get him the title, and then Backlund loses in four seconds and to Diesel at a house show. Well, again, you're actually owned it. It was like actually they ring but the was, bell. He yeah. kicks him. He does a power bomb, pins him. Diesel's your new champ. No, no, the Diesel thing, fucking weird. It was because Brett didn't want to lose to Diesel. That's why they did the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, I know. But what's even better about the ending of the match and why it's such a fucking cool ending is that it's Owen doesn't grab the towel. Owen comes out and just bully baits his mum into doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is even fucking more heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, it was fucking amazing. God bless. You know what that was? Heart family, amazing performers. You know what that time was? It was Bob Backlund's time. <laughs> I mean, we should probably do a Bob Backlund because that guy... Oh, no. He came across... I don't think I've ever seen someone... I mean... I don't know. I'm not. Obviously, I was fucking nine then, but I was so scared of that guy. So fucking scared. But here's the problem with Bob Backlund. We're basically it's going off one angle, and I then love we're that guy. Then I'm we're, the president. <laughs> <laughs> that was his character. He's like, I think I will be the president. Yeah, that was his later character. So good. I think he must still be on the payroll. He was on the payroll forever yeah. as just a guy. He just has a book out now. Apparently, it's amazing. Oh, does he really? Yeah, yeah. What's it called? The backlogs. <laughs> but he's like, because everyone legit backing up Backland. He's the my favorite thing because he's he's convinced like internet guys that he's like actually crazy, and then apparently this book is like, well, why? Of course, I act nuts in interviews. I don't want to talk to you guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like what, what that means is that saves me fifteen minutes of my real life I could spend with my wife. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a Olympic athlete from upstate <laughs> Connecticut. Know what I like? I a nice cup of tea and a handheld walk with my wife and our dog patriot got him after 9-11 and uh our dog the patriot act uh, um i apologize for the theme playing that got in the way of dylan's amazing point but i just really hate that song i wanted pussy, to bother him pussy, pussy, um pussy, pussy. bob I, all right favorite thing about bret hart oh everything 
about his in-ring. He's the, I think, top three in-ring guy of all time. Least favorite thing about Bret Hart. Ooh. Chavo. His inability <laughs> to change. Great. To roll with the punches. He rolled with zero punches. He didn't want to be a heel. And it seemed like as Vin, when he became a heel, Vince was kind of like, I'll book you stronger than you've ever been booked before. And he was still like, you should no. be swearing. Yeah. You know? I don't like this potty talk, Vincent. Yeah, exactly, right? It's like, my kids watch this. Anyway, yeah. I'm high on weed and there's a bunch <laughs> of prostitutes in my room, so I should probably hang up the phone. Yeah. Vince, I'd like to discuss this more, but I got to go take a shit in this girl's pussy. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Vince, don't ever say stuff like this. Anyway, literally a five-year-old is blowing me right now. Yeah. Vince, I think I've just invented the Blumkin. <laughs> um, nice. My favorite thing about uh, Bret Hart, obviously, in ring. My least favorite thing is I don't like his attitude now in terms of the way he talks about wrestling, the way he portrays it, he does have a fucking inflated sense of ego about himself in terms of like, yeah. he just talks about like, you know, this is not how things would happen in my day. And it's like, yeah, it's a different time. But if you remember the flair feud, basically the entire feud, I remember that first promo that, Oh, that Brett was like, kind of like, this is a, this is a wrestling promo. Like I beat you before I'll beat you again. And then Ric Flair was basically like, you're not that good. You think you're good, you're not. Like, yeah. you think you're the best, I'm the best. Because I'm the best on this mic, I'm the best in this ring. Like, he just goes like, he's like, fuck you forever thinking you could, like, the only reason I'm not going to win this feud is because you're 10 years or 15 years younger than me and some guy did some weird shit to you. I'm the best wrestler there's ever been. Like, he really took umbrage to that. Because yeah. that was the thing about Brett, too, is that he portrayed this, like, humble, like, everyman guy while wearing pink, which, I mean, sounds, doesn't sound like anything, but you have to remember, this is the 90s. Yeah, this is not... Like, on Saved by the Bell, children are literally learning, if you're gay, that's, like, almost okay. Um, No, there's a bunch of Saved by the Bell shit no, no, that's, I like, fucking weird. Uh, oh yeah, the drug. If you ever watch YouTube Saved by the Bell clips, some of them they're just like, uh, "What's his problem? He's a fairy." Yeah. Don't get near a cigarette. Yeah. Um, Here's a couple things you need to know: cigarettes give you AIDS. Why? Gay people smoke them. Peace. You just expelled that guy. Why, Mister Belding? He wore fuchsia. Yeah. That's not a color I he's, recognize. He's gonna go to Valley. Why? Because that's where the bummers go. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as in people that aren't fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the the forbidden things. Yeah. Um, but then uh, I'd call them forbidden fruits. <laughs> but what, what 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 was I talking about with Brett? You're saying he's mainly in terms of pink. I think the I completely agree. I think that also something that will we'll he won't get credit for his. Uh, sorry, I cut you off. But he doesn't get credit for his acting. But it's hard to look humble when if you read his book and listen to any interviews with that guy. That guy has a higher inflated sense of ego. Like Ric Flair has self confidence issues apparently, which I've read about. Yeah, like he has self confidence issues. Bret Hart does not. How insane that is to me. Like, a guy can be that boring on the mic, and then the other guy can be, like, literally the most entertaining yeah. person. One of the most entertaining people I've ever seen on television is insane to me. And it is what a fucking amazing point. That is so interesting that Ric Flair, tears of the clown in the back, like, I don't think I'm very good. Rick, that camera's on. I'll tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to turn your face into a pussy yeah, in pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's a fat girl? I'll piss on her. You're not attractive enough for me. I'm literally as old as baseball. The idea of baseball. 
And then Bret Hart is literally just like, so yeah. And then I've got my wrist in her pussy and I'm fighting her dad. Because he's like, what are you doing at this baptism? I'm trying to get a fucking blowjob, bro. <laughs> Brett, that camera's on. I think I'm going to go out there and uh, you know what? We're going to have a uh, what they call wrestling match. <laughs> Diesel, I respect you, uh, but you're not me. Here's you're how you- me and you're you. Yeah. We're both me and me. <laughs> From a little place called Calgary. You know what we have there? Respect <laughs> and meth. <laughs> I don't do meth though, just weed. Hey, do you ever think that Rob Van Dam and uh, Bret Hart smoke joints and then just talk about better ways to look like they just hurt themselves after every maneuver? Oh my God. Rob, Rob Van Dam, best spite seller of all time. <laughs> yeah. No, Shawn Michaels against Hulk Hogan at that SummerSlam is the greatest spite sell you've ever seen, where he literally gets punched and he goes fucking, uh, there's a flip oh, yeah. over the ropes. So good. Let me just say. As the guy watching that, hilarious. If I owned that company and Shawn Michaels, I'd be like, hey, here's what happens right now. I'm not firing you because you'd go somewhere else. I am going to pay you, and every day for the next year, you're going to go out on television, and you're just going to be like, today, I pooped in a diaper because I'm an old man. <laughs> I love fucking that. I love that match. But yeah. Um, we got to wrap it up. Bret Hart. Let's wrap it up. He talks about wrestling. Um, uh, Best thing in ring. Also, did you ever want to get those sunglasses that he handed out to the weird kid in the front row? Last thing I want to say. Last thing. This is a very small moment. SummerSlam 92. Watch the in watch Bret Hart's entrance. There is a moment where he goes to put the glasses on the kid, oh, right? No. Then he goes to put the glasses on the kid and then his dad, the the kid's <laughs> dad moves in like Bret's going to put the glasses on him. It's the fucking funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Like, the kid's dad is like, oh, I'm going to get these gloves. Oh, okay. Like, and the kid's dad is like, is the, what the fuck type of monster? Like, it's like it's like those clips where you see a guy, like, take a baseball from a kid. It's like, the, I I don't know how to even expand on it. It's so fucking great. Like, it's the greatest. Mo- like, the dad actually thinks, like, for the first time ever, 40-year-old Buck's going to get the sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sh- sure, they fa- sh- close the factory, and that burns. But you know what won't burn me anymore? The sun, because my <laughs> eyes will be protected. Oh, my God. How how much? <laughs> you would still wear Bret Hart sunglasses if you ever I had them. a pair of Bret Hart sunglasses I bought at a wrestling event that I recently found there in my mom's house. Oh, my God. Bring them to Anglin. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. It is 4, what is it, 5.30? Uh, at night in England, it is completely dark. Um, thank you very much for listening. Listen to the outro. This has been the Bret Hart episode. I've been Dylan Gott. Here's Triple H. Pre-fake tit, Stephanie. It's not a bad song. It's a terrible song. What another stellar episode we've done. Right, Dylan? Yes. No meandering whatsoever. Yeah, very much on point. Now, let's get back to the important business at hand. You want to read about us, you can go to our website, which is... Angelfire.TheWrestlerReview.com Real. That's a real thing. Go sign our guest book. We have a weather page. You can see what the weather's like (laughs) in one city. Which city? London. Good. And then you can follow us on Twitter at the John Hastings at Dylan Gott D Y L A N G O double F that T, and we're gonna create one for the show called the Wrestler Review. We already have. I for- always forget that we have that Twitter account already. 
Follow the show on Twitter at the Wrestler Review. We'll retweet the thing, so just follow us. It's all nebulous. Anyway, I love all of you. I love you as people and as lovers. We are all one. We are Ouroboros. We are a human centipede. This stings too long.